We are uh, on, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome here to a much different weather uh, in the Woo! past week. It's perfect worship weather uh, here in Canoga Park, and I'm so glad if you're here in person. So good to see you. Um, I know many others will be joining us. And if you're online and you're catching us, I'm so happy you're with us there, too, as we are here now bearing down through November, worshiping the Lord together. Next Sunday is uh, Thanksgiving Sunday for us, but also we're going to be stopping and pausing and marking a 65th birthday party, essentially, for our church. So we're excited next Sunday, the whole service will revolve around celebrating what what the Lord has done through this amazing church and also looking forward, um, looking ahead to where we see the potential being for us together. So next Sunday, I really hope that uh, you're going to make a point to try and be here as we celebrate together and think and pray together about what comes next. What time? Oh, thank you, Hanya. Thank you. We're going to beginning begin the service at 10.30. So usually we start here at 10. We're going to start at 10.30 because we're going to have the whole church together doing this. Okay? So we'll do 10.30 partly because if it is cold, it'll be a little warmer a half hour later than a half hour earlier. <laughs> so we'll start at 10.30 next Sunday. I'll say that again later too. We're here to worship the Lord. And when you worship, you are ascribing worth. You're pausing to remember what has the greatest worth in life. And the temptation is always for us as humans to do something called idolatry, where we, we, we ascribe worth, where we put more importance on aspects of this world than we put on God. And we forget that God actually is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, that God is the one who gives life and gives us the ability to have creativity in our life moving forward. Everything has come from God's hand. Everything is sustained by God's hand. And so as, as the created, as river of the valley, we are pausing today. We're, we're pushing the pause button on our lives. And we're here to simply ascribe worth where worth is due to God, our father, to God who came down in human form in Jesus, to God who is among us now through his invisible Holy Spirit. So let us pray and then let us begin let us begin together uh, in worship. Lord God, we, we pause to worship. Today we give you the worth in our life. We lift you up as, as that which we now focus our eyes upon, knowing that it is because of you that we are here now, that we have our breath. It's because of you that we have all the things that we can count as good, loved ones or or even the things that, that bring us joy throughout our day, Lord, we, we pause now and we, we recognize that these are all from your hand. So help us now, help us now to, to focus on you in the words in which we sing together and the prayers and as we open scriptures. Lord, we do this now to magnify you um, in our midst. It's in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Let us worship God. Beyond us, God within us, 
revealed Yet we see in bonds Transcendent but so near us The mystery dwelling within our hearts Father, Spirit, Son Only true God Exalted God above us Enthroned Yet you wash our feet Humble But so holy All of creation Bows when you speak Sing with me Father Father, Spirit, Son Only true God Yes you are Exalted three in one, only true God, Father, Father, Spirit, Son, only true God, exalted three in one, only true God, only true God. God who saves us, God within us, you are God, say it again, God of all things, God of all things, God who saves us. Father, Spirit, Son, only true God, exalted three in one, only true God, Father, Father, Spirit, Son, only true God, exalted three in one. First John 1 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins if we say we have no sin John reminds us we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's about being honest before God. There's no sense in coming here. <laughs> I usually say coming here and putting a mask on. <laughs> oh dear. 2020. 
I usually say there's no sense in coming here and putting a mask on before God <laughs> because we should be vulnerable at all times because God already knows, <laughs> which is true. And so there's no sense. There is absolutely no reason in pretending like God doesn't already know all about you. And so let's be honest with that. You don't need one more place in your life where you have to, to pretend to be someone you're not to try and fit in or, or gain the affection of someone that you want to impress. You don't have to impress God. He's already impressed. He created you. He's your dad. <laughs> he came to die for you. So we're going to follow through what John says here, and we're going to pray. And we're going to mo have a moment in which I'm going to allow you to simply be honest in those ways that you know you know that you haven't done what you should have done. Think just this past week. And, and then we'll remember that God is good and God gives us that grace. So let's pray. Lord, we're here and uh, we can't hide ourselves from you. There's no mask that we could put on that could hide who we are, what we've done. And there are always those things that we're not proud of, the things that we've said, the things that we've done, or the things that we haven't said and the things that we have not done. So Lord, in the, in the moment right now, in the stillness, in the silence, we, we remember those things, those sins of the past week. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord God, also, as we are honest with you, we also ask that your Holy Spirit would return to us the confidence that you have cleansed us and that you look upon us with the perfection of Christ. That even though we are not always perfect, you are. And that we now wear that perfection. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that we can be here fully known and fully loved and that we don't have to hide anything about us to be here because you have called us to be your son and your daughter. Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Good. Yes. Okay. So we're going to jump right in here into our our passage today. This is This is the... Week seven of our seven-week series of hope interrupting despair. We've been marching through all these different resurrection appearances, and and today we're we're gonna be in the one that comes last in the chronological order of those appearances. We're gonna be in Acts today. So we've been mainly in the Gospels up to this point, the four books: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That are kind of the biography of Jesus. Now we get into Acts. Acts is a book in the Bible that's essentially the biography of the church. What the first disciples of Jesus did once Jesus left, they they had been given this vision that, that Jesus had sown inside of them by what he had taught, taught them, but also how he had shown them to live and to be and what it meant to be the church. And then right after Jesus goes, then it was up to those first first followers of Jesus to figure out, okay, now how do we put this into practice? How do we do this? <laughs> and so Acts essentially is the story of those decades following Jesus' death and resurrection and how, in fact, they put his vision into practice. Here in Acts 9, we're going we're gonna to see a guy named Saul. It's also the same person that we call Paul. 
Saul is the Hebrew version of his name. Paul is the Greek version of his name. Same guy, same dude. Um, and so it's it's interesting that when when Jesus actually comes and encounters Paul or Saul, he calls out in his Hebrew name. He calls him Saul. Um, and then throughout Acts, though, you'll hear him referred to as Paul because if you know, who was Paul, who was Saul mainly working with? In the course of his ministry, who did he mainly work with? Greek speakers. And so it's natural that we would know him as Paul because that was his dominant ministry was with people who spoke Greek. But when Jesus came to him, Paul was firmly, Saul was firmly within the Jewish faith. He was a leader within the, within the Jewish faith. And so he would have, mainly his name would have been Saul. And when Jesus comes to him and calls him, we'll see right now, you only see the word Saul being used. So this is Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in the first verse. And then we'll dig into more about this Saul guy. So yeah, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So we see here Saul being introduced as one who is still spewing out murderous threats against those who were following Jesus. Now, is this the first time we see Saul in the book of Acts? Where else do we see him first? The stoning of one of the great disciples, Stephen. Now, Stephen was someone who had risen up to be one of the first deacons in the church. And because of his faith and because of his relentless decision to call Christ Lord and Savior, this eventually led to him being stoned. And that means, I know... California Christians, I'm not talking about that stoned, stoning with rocks, okay? Rocks that they would actually throw and they would kill you with, okay? So at that moment when they were going to kill Stephen, all the people who were going to throw rocks didn't want to get too sweaty, so they took off all their outer coats and they put all their cloaks in one pile. And there was someone who was put in charge of watching those coats. Who was that person? Saul. You can find that in the first time we hear about Saul. And here is the second. Saul had gone to the high priest. He is a young man at this point, Saul. And he had grown up and gone to basically seminary. He was ready to take his position as a great leader in the Jewish faith tradition. And he was so zealous for God. He was so zealous for taking up a position in what he thought was righteous to defend God's honor and, and to be putting down this, this revolt against the Jewish faith. 
Christianity, that he went to the high priest. And what does he ask the high priest for? A letter, the permission to take guards with him to then go and find any of these so-called Christians and to take them back to Jerusalem. Now, where is he going? Damascus. How far away from Jerusalem is Damascus? Anyone have a guess? How many miles? More than 50. More than 70. We're talking like 200. No? No? Why don't you look it up? Make sure I'm right. Someone look it up right now. You have phones. You have tech. So he's going so far away. So far away. How much? 150. Thank you. He's going so far away to round up Christians. And imagine back then, how are they, are they traveling by airplane? <laughs> no. At best, they're, they're like with horses and rounding these Christians up and bringing them back. This is a lot of work. Saul is zealous for defending God, but he's doing so in a way that is actually what? <laughs> Working against God. For all these years, and now also an interesting point, this is about five years after Jesus had been killed and had risen to life. Usually when you think of these stories and acts, you think of them happening like month and month and month. Rather, these are years and decades over time. So we're five years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Saul has been now for about two years at least chasing after Jesus followers to put them into jail or to kill them. If there is anyone that we could pinpoint as saying this person is definitely, definitely someone that Jesus could cut off. If we could pinpoint someone that we could definitely identify saying that this person, this person, it, it would be okay if God didn't reach out to this person. I think Saul would be the guy. Jesus is the very beginning of his movement. It's very fragile still. <laughs> and we have this figure who has risen up, who is doing everything in his power to stomp it out. Even with violence. If there is anyone that God could decide, you know what, this, this guy isn't worthy to still be alive. We're just going to smite this one. Send that thunderbolt down. <laughs> Saul is no more. That could have been the story. This guy who had been standing and watching the cloaks while they stoned Stephen, or this guy who was on his way to Damascus, that light that came down in that day could have easily been a lightning bolt. And the only thing left would just be the, the smoke rising from where Saul had been. But instead, but instead, this light comes down and it knocks Saul to his knees. And what we then find is that Jesus takes Saul and he interrupts his life he interrupts his life with the hope of Christ. And my question is, if Saul is in, if Saul is in, then is there anyone that the Lord won't pursue? If Saul is in, the one who is out to make violence against us, against the church, against Christ, if Saul is in, 
is there anyone that we can look on as Christians? Is there anyone we can look on as the church and say, you know what, the Lord is not pursuing that one? I think the answer is obviously no. God is chasing after every single person that he has created. And as Saul gets knocked to the ground, it brings me to a second thought. And this would apply to even us as Christians. It is so easy for us to be, to passionately support what's right without seeing that it's wrong. It's so easy for us to passionately support what's right without seeing it's wrong. It's, it's easy because we as humans have limited perspective. We can't see all of the angles. We see that play out now constantly on social media and in the news, how, how you can have such a radicalized picture of the exact same world we live in. Why is that? Because we're all products of our own vantage point, of our own perspective. And while we are busy as humanity judging and demonizing the other, rather, how does God look upon us? He sees the weakness. He sees the limitations. And he moves with grace. And that light that comes down is not the lightning bolt, but rather it's the light that comes down to knock us to our knees in appreciation that just maybe, just maybe, God has this figured out. That just maybe, if we were to take the time to really reflect on if we're following what Jesus has asked, that just maybe he has the truth. Jesus asks Saul to stand up and to then go. And I, let me read this. This is so God. This is something that God does all the time throughout scriptures. This is what it says. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up. Go into the city and you will be told what you must do. You will be told <laughs> what you must do. That is so God. <laughs> that, that he does that all the time. He, he calls you out and he says, okay, you need to follow me or you need to, you know, you need to figure out a way to follow me better. But then he doesn't give you all the specifics. He's, he says, but, but you will be told later what to do. What are some other examples of this? Okay, so Abraham, right? Let's read this. This is from Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household to the land. I will show you. I will show you. He doesn't say, okay, here's the GPS coordinates. You know, open up Google. Here's the map. Here's the city. No, I, I will show you. Like he's asking Abraham to leave everything he knows. And he's asking them to walk. He's asking them to walk into the unknown. Into the unknown. Where's Amaya? Can you sing it? Thank you. What's that from? What's that from? Come on, parents. Frozen 2, Frozen 2, Into the Unknown. So he's asking people all the time throughout Scripture to, to take what they know. And then he says, okay, but I have something better for you. But then does he say exactly what it is? Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately... They left their boat, their father, and followed him. 
Joseph is a very interesting character in Scripture. I think we can identify with him these days. Joseph was in a, in a family of many brothers. And he turned out to be the annoying one. Because why? Because he was the one that the dad liked the most. It made all the other brothers jealous. So the day comes where Joseph gets shoved into a hole and then he gets sold into slavery. Joseph's life went from here and then in one day was dropped to the bottom. Kind of like for a lot of us, March felt like this year. <laughs> now, just like how things didn't exactly take a quick turn for the better in 2020, so Joseph's life didn't exactly take a good turn. What happens next in Joseph's life? Anybody? Yes, Potiphar's wife, and then Caleb, jail. He goes to jail. So he goes, the people that he's sold into, he gets into a mess there, he gets put into jail. So he goes from beloved son of, the, of, of his and his family to his brother's, brother's betraying him, sold into slavery, ends up then later in jail. Then what? Then he becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. Okay? This is a wild turn of events in this person's life. Now, at the end of his life, I mean, at the end of this story, the brothers actually come to Egypt. We don't need to get into all the details, but they come into Egypt, and these are the people that had made his life a living hell. They, they, they made his life 2020, okay? <laughs> they made his life 2020, and he's standing there before these people who had made this happen to him. And what does he say? Genesis 50:20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The word here for intending in the Hebrew is you planned, you, you strategized. You had made plans for bad stuff to happen. But God has a larger plan in all of this and is to make everything right. Here's where hope interrupts despair. For each of us, for each of us here today living in this crazy year and for some of you, it's, it's even impacted by other individual things that are happening in your lives. It is crucial for us to have a Joseph-like perspective in which just like Saul, <laughs> this guy who certainly should not be included in God's plans, <laughs> who was actually out to viciously and violently attack Christians, that each of us, okay, each of us need to have a Joseph-like perspective that God is actually doing some amazing things even with me. No matter who I am, no matter how close to God I feel right now, you can walk away from this worship service today with a Joseph-like perspective that is wondering, that's watching for what Jesus is doing. All of you can walk away from today with a Joseph-like perspective thinking, wanting to see, watching for 
God's intentions? What kind of life would it be to each and every day be watching as if you're watching a movie or, or a, a plan unfolding, knowing that e- even in those moments where it feels like you're being betrayed or sold into slavery or put behind bars, that actually there is a larger plan that you can look for, that you can depend on, in which God has intention, that there is purpose. I, I know that for many people, the despair that we feel right now is because we don't, we don't understand how there could be purpose. We don't understand, and we can't see when the end is coming. And things always feel like they're slipping even further down than turning back around. What are, what are you looking at in your life? What are you supporting? Because if it's not God's plan for the saving of many lives, then I can, I can guarantee that when you are focusing on anything else, whether it be personal gain, polit- politics, what, whatever hobbies you might have, or even your family, if that's where you're putting all of the eggs of your basket, desperation will come. Because it's too narrow of a focus. It's too narrow of a focus. We need to step back right now. Everybody just needs to step back and recognize that just like Joseph was willing to say that we can also have those same eyes of faith that there is a larger plan, that there are intentions that God is bringing about right now that we could not see, but we can trust are happening. You know that expression, hindsight is twenty twenty. Joseph could have invented that saying. Now sitting there as the number two in all of Egypt, saving humanity from a famine, he can only be there in hindsight realizing that the only way he could get there was all of the trash that he had to live through to get there. Friends, today, you can walk away from this service expecting that God is doing things in your life that you can't see. And you can walk away from here excited to watch for the ways in which the intentions of God for your life are coming true. Or we can walk away here remaining depressed in the ways in which the individual parts of our life don't seem to add up. Choose the first. Walk away from here today with Joseph-like perception, knowing that in all things, God is ordering things for the good of those who believe. Amen. Let's pray. So Lord God, our our ask today, (laughs) as we look at your scriptures, is that you would give us perspective, that your spirit would, would quicken in us that faith that even when we can't see it, you are working. That even when we don't understand it, that you have intentions, you have purposes, that you have a plan. Lord, there are ways in which people around us purpose and plan for wrong. Like Saul, seeking the lives of Christians. Lord, we can point to that today as, as, we, as we read the news or as we look at people around us, how people's intentions seem to be so off and sometimes, if we're honest, the intentions of our own hearts. 
Lord, we ask today that you would return to us the confidence that while those intentions are in play, there is a much larger plan that you are divine, that your holy hand is upon this world, is upon my life personally. And what they or what I have have intended for harm, that you, Lord, are purposing it, at times repurposing it for good and for the saving of many lives. May we leave here today in hope. May we leave here today even with joy, knowing that in spite of it all, you are good and the plans that you have for us are good. Wherever, wherever you may be leading, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.